We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Ball Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, in the house with us for tonight's recordings, Mr. Anthony Prohaska from Cover One. And Chris, I believe you owe everyone a giant apology. Yeah, I do. Um, I did not <laughs> press record on video for our other show, so sorry. This is the only one. And then, are we doing an After Dark? Yeah. Then we'll do an after dark, and by after dark we mean Prohaska reviews Forbidden Door. Oh yes, I'll, yes. I'll just work as many orgy references into that as I can. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's to each their own, man. No judgment. <laughs> you do you. Arson orgies. Listen, we've had a night, guys. Yeah. If you haven't heard it already, our uh, training camp episode of uh, talking about. Audio uh, only. Our preview of the <laughs> cornerback and linebacker positions got a little out of hand at some points. Mm-hmm. I think there was arson discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Chris Benoit reference. There was all these Dearmans. These are all you. <laughs> I think there was an arson <laughs> reference or a Chris Benoit. These are all things you I said. Who, I don't know who these people. I don't know who said these things. Things get said, guys. Before we go any farther, I think I, I, I want to open with something because it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, Mark said that he's going to go leave a negative review if I was blubbering about this, so I felt it only necessary to open like this. First of all, everyone raise a glass. Chris, did you... Okay, you did make yourself a cocktail. I have an old-fashioned. Anthony, can we toast? Okay. That looks delicious. To Ryan Mallett. Mm. Okay, Ryan Mallett was my first ever draft crush. Mm. He was the guy that I, I, I went, to, I went to, the, to the mat for, and I said that he was going to revolutionize the way offense got played in football because I saw the strength of his arm, our pure arm talent, and his ability to fake... The play action. Yeah. If you had a competent running game in the NFL, that should get you places. Like, like now I look at what Josh Allen is and I go, uh, like, I'll tell you how far I took it. Hmm. I used to play in a Madden league 
with people where you take a team and you just play your own season, but then when you played the other people's teams, on like, because it was online but also not online, mm-hmm. when it came time to play that other person's team, you would play them. Like, mm-hmm. you'd schedule a time and you'd play each other. Every year what I would do with the Bills is I would trade for Ryan Mallett because mm-hmm. he had a 97 throw power and his mobility was dog shit, but he was better than whatever fucking quarterback we had at the time. Huh. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think. Oh. That's how old we're, that's how far back we're going. Yeah. And so with that in mind, I could throw the ball all over the field and I could I was dominating people in that game. I loved Ryan Mallett and I liked the way he played and I yeah, a lot of his touchdowns were scheme driven and it turns out he wasn't great when he made it to the NFL, mm-hmm. right? But then you think about the way he died and just this idea that like when you hear about a person passing away in a drowning accident, you want to believe that it's extraordinary. You want to think that that's like a freak thing that, oh my God, what a crazy thing that hasn't happened to anybody else. What makes it sad is that he's one of 59 other, like him and 59 other people have drowned in the exact same spot in the last calendar year. Because Mother Nature's had enough of our shit and riptides in this area are prevalent and people keep swimming there. And so in the wake of this one, you know, the sheriff's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. And they go, this doesn't need to happen. Just stay out of the water Mm. in this one area. Stop going down there. Mm. Because then we have to come try to save you. Mm. And it puts everybody in danger. And it's just crazy to think how you go from that, right? Like, he was 35 years old. Yeah. Now, I obviously, we talked, Chris, we got hammered and talked about risk aversion during our last After Dark. Yeah. Um, You know, the, the submarine thumbnail. Yeah, it's that, been eighty-four years. We just talked about we just talked about uh, a risk aversion as you get older and as you learn things. What is your appetite for risk? When someone goes, "Hey, don't do this or you'll die." Yeah, cool. I'm out. <laughs> exactly right. Like yeah. at a base level, you say to yourself, "I'm done here." Yeah. So it's sad that people keep, but he's not alone. People keep signing up to swim in this exact area and then they drown and everyone goes oh this is terrible is it you jumped into the thing that they told you to stop the police are at the beach trying to keep people out but they can't arrest you yeah what are you gonna do to ryan mallet you're gonna tackle him to the sand probably not he's like six foot five 97 he's like he's like josh (laughs) allen-esque yeah like i I don't know. I just, I, I see that and it makes me sad, Chris, because we talk about that all the time. It's, yeah. it's just a, like, it, it hit, my love for him pre-draft is a, is a trope. You told that show. Ryan Mallett story the very first time I ever recorded with you guys in person. We finished the show and then we went uh, back out and we're in the kitchen, I think having more like pizza or just sitting and talking and you told your Josh Allen draft story and your Ryan Mallett draft story. And, and that's yeah. it. And so now it's funny that you're here in the studio with us and we're now talking know, about this right? Ryan Mallett story. Yeah. It's just, it's sad, and I just wish, I, I, what I'll say is I, I wish for people that they find, hopefully for his family, they find peace, yeah. and hopefully for people out there, you guys find what your appetite for risk is. Mm. Find, find, you know, it's like the New York City gambling thing, know your limit, play within it. Mm. I hope that... NFL, no, NFL players know about that. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, fuck. Right back into sarcasm and snark. There can't just be a moment no. on this podcast. I was waiting for it to like go back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, this is usually fun. This is kind of dark. <laughs> Sad. So, guys, just a toast to Ryan Mallett. Cheers, guys. To Ryan Mallett. Glasses up. He's up there throwing. He's up there warming up for Chris Gregg. Just waiting to throw him another touchdown pass. 
Chris, remember when we used to do Chris Gregg Awareness Week? Mm-hmm. Wow. Every week, I would I would just <laughs> quote. I would. It was him and like eleven football teams who I knew had dog shit tight end groups, and I would just send them highlights and then copy Chris Gregg in it. And the one time he's like, "You guys are fucking wild! Like, what oh. are you doing?" <laughs> I go, I'm trying to get you a job, son. Try to get you signed. I love me some Chris Gray. Bill's legend. God. Tremendous. Uh, we were just looking at it before we went uh, we, we went and started recording this again. The Bills have a tremendous tight end history when it comes to just allocating. Yeah. Allocating uh, resources. Capital. Yeah. Tremendous. All the way back to uh, back-to-back first-round tight end picks in 1973 and 1974. <laughs> we started that and it's just been rolling How ever since. How funny is that in an era where you can't pass the football for shit? The Bills yeah. drafted tight ends first overall two years in That'd a row. That'd be like a team right now going back-to-back years with RBs in the first round. And everybody'd be like, what? <laughs> Why? So, Chris, this cocktail, it's pink in color. For those of you not watching on YouTube, it's in a rocks glass. I like this, but it's very light. There's really not a lot of flavor to it. It's very light citrus flavor, floral notes. What do you got for me here? This is drinkable. On a hot day, this would be amazing. I'd probably drink a gallon of this. I don't know if you went outside. It was hot today. So, mm. uh, that is called a jungle bird. A jungle bird. It has an ounce and a half of okay, dark rum. I don't want it to corrupt the old-fashioned. Oh, yeah. Anthony's got a old-fashioned. Uh, it is a jungle bird, which is black rum, pineapple juice, lime juice, Campari, and a Capri Sun. And, and pineapple gum syrup. Wow. Yeah. The, the fuck is it? And you he's have all these things in your house? Making, he's making this up. Oh, this no, I, I bought, I bought, it's store-bought pineapple gum syrup from Liber and Company. Oh, I got tons of pineapple gum syrup. Yeah, you know, house. that gum syrup that I keep around in my house. This yeah. is the stuff, Anthony, when I hear this, it makes yeah. me want to flip this fucking table. I bought a gum syrup. Yeah, you know what I bought? I bought Fucking diapers this week. I bought Desitin. For you? Well, there's the same per- Oh. Ooh. All right. Well played. <laughs> Damn. This guy's out here literally has the free time to just peruse liquor stores when he's bored and look for gum syrup. You could get gum syrup. No, I can't. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Just keep it away from the kids. Well, is it a good cocktail? It is a great cocktail. I'm so get yourself this some gum syrup. I was, I've, see, I've never I had it. I wanted to hate it based on the color. You heard of me said I've never had it. Yeah, I've never. Well, the last time we did this, where we did pig. we did a cocktail that Drew didn't like, the Whiskey Millionaire cocktail. It was awful. Oh. It was awful. It no, was like, terrible. It's got a great name. It was, it was whiskey, Grand Marnier, I think lime and or lemon and uh, an egg white. Yeah, and an egg it's white. Like, and the egg white fucked it because it made it pasty. Oh, I've had an egg white and a whiskey sour before, and I didn't know it was a thing, and it was fantastic. Well, okay. But oh yeah, that's like it, a Boston sour. But if oh, you put it in a nice. cloudy drink, it gets fucking weird. Right. Speaking of getting weird, Chris, let's hit these guys with this week's Bills news update. Oh come on! Oh, Chris sucks again. Producer fail week. Mm. Come on, give me something. Mm, 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 mm. Give me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, so for those of you who had ticket camp, like tickets to camp, like troubles with that, and I fucked up. Yeah, you think I fucked up? Hey, listen, you can feed me liquor. I'll say whatever I want. There was a new format this year that got rolled out. Oh boy! For season ticket holder early access. Now, you guys at the Cover One Group felt the pinch. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. It was a little bit difficult to get your hands on training camp tickets this year, wasn't it? A little bit. Because in the past, season ticket holders would get early access, 
and they would be able to go in and pick up to four tickets per practice for whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. And last year, the backlash was so ferocious to this and the lack of tickets that, like, I'd like to think that a lot of bitching by NFL fans goes unnoticed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we were talking before we started recording about how Tyreek Hill is probably going to get away with slapping a man in public. Yeah. Because realistically, he has talent, and the league will look the other way on it, because they don't care what people on social media think. No. I mean, Chris, he slapped the dude at a marina over fishing. All right. Who hasn't done that? It's like I was joking about, to quote Charlie Murphy, you don't slap a man. (laughs) You know, even back when slapping was fashionable, there was a gunfight afterwards. Somebody had to go. You don't slap a dude, and then someone doesn't end up in the paddy wagon. Mm. Like, that's not how that, like, that's not how that works. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I digress. I digress. So they changed the format this year due to the just glut of complaints last year. Mm. Season ticket holders were only able to access up to two practices, but a maximum of six seats. Six tickets per person, maximum of two practices. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, that's reasonable when you consider the demand, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, fair. Chris? Yeah. For the first time in decades, people are literally willing to climb over each other to get Bill's training camp tickets. Mm. Yeah. Well, to you... watch practice. Mm-hmm. As Allen Iverson would say, practice? We're, talk- we're talking, talking about, about practice. practice. But then you also have to factor in people that live in maybe Syracuse that aren't going to come to a game because of how much ticket prices are for a game. But then you can go to a practice and it's only, what, Syracuse is an hour from Rochester? Yeah. Now, to win. here's what I love about this. The team put this out that they were changing the policy to make things more equitable for people on the you know, the average fan, mm-hmm. who's not a season ticket holder, because obviously season ticket holders, by and large, don't travel from far distances mm-hmm. to make it. And this is a regional play. Mm-hmm. It's what, that's what the training camp process, being in Rochester, that was, it was the only thing I can point to that Russ Brandon did that worked, was mm. this idea that he regionalized the team well by putting training camp in Rochester and giving people the up close and personal with the team mm. in order to get the kids in, get mm. get fans who maybe were their interest was waning. Now you've got them because they're right there in your backyard and you can go see them for free. Mm. So with that in mind, it's hilarious the lengths that the team went to protect this. Now, our friend Ryan Lasel reached out to me and he goes, well, here's the thing. I have multiple season ticket accounts. Like, I have pockets of seats that are all kind of one way or another ended up under my name, and I'm just going to go acquire seats based on the... Because it's by account. It's not yeah, by... What, person, name, or whatever. But he has one rep. <laughs> and so here's what happens. He comes to me and goes, I've got all these tickets. Let's reach out to some guys. So I did. I put out feelers. I go, hey, what do you think about that date? What about this? Would this work for you? I'm yeah. able, I've got a guy who's got an in. And then he messages us in our group chat and says... I got a call from my ticket rep. I guarantee you it's about these tickets. Sure enough, they basically told him, listen, you can either voluntarily give them up or we can just have Ticketmaster nullify all of them and you get none. Cold-blooded. Because you are one person and as one person you are able to get two, maximum of six. 
Wow. That's cutthroat, right? Drop the hammer. I respect <laughs> it. Chris, do you respect the level of cutthroat that the Bills That is cutthroat. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. First of all, for me, it's weird for a team to say, like, hey, we'll let you sign up for a thing, but also fuck you if you take it. There's <laughs> consequences. And what I think about that also is that me, like, Chris, if they had called me with that energy, you know we wouldn't have season tickets anymore. Yeah. Like, I would have argued our way right out of it. You're a common rational guy, though. You wouldn't have gotten oh, yeah, it. yeah, you know. You would have just accepted it. I'm pragmatic. Yeah. He's a negotiator. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have declared it's a pox just... on his house. Yeah. Arson. <laughs> Now, I guess the question is, did it did it work? Did it help? Uh, Anthony, have you seen any less complaining about the inavailability of practice tickets this year from last year? No, because everybody's going to complain about everything. No matter what you do, complaints run rampant in, in everything. And then here's the one that bugs me the most, is that somehow... Like, this is what they were trying to keep, was like, hey, these people who have early access are scooping up all the tickets and then reselling them on the secondary market. Yeah. Okay. Tickets still showed up immediately on Ticketmaster's yeah. resale platform, as well as StubHub, for anywhere from over $100 to $200 a seat. Yeah, I saw like 100 Oh, respect. no, I saw 100 Remember, I'm saying, with all due respect, that idea ain't worth a velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it off. Said with all due respect. On a scale of people <laughs> who don't return for, like, here's the scale. I'm going to draw it out for you. I have people who don't return their shopping carts to the corral. Okay? Those are the worst fucking people in the world. And on this end, I have people at Walmart who eat things and then put them back on the shelf. Yeah. Wait, do you mean like... Like I opened a bag of chips and I started eating it and then I put it back on the what? shelf. I'm, was this at Cheek to Walk at Walmart? Yeah, absolutely. So Wait, was this before it moved to... Was it at the old location by Home Depot? No, this is the current one. The current one where it is now, all right. You're so, super into this whole Cheek to Walk at Walmart. Well, it's when weird. you have it on one side of the 90, it's completely different than... I had it. I watched some guy be like, "There's cops what? milling around outside Walmart, okay, trying to look inconspicuous, but they're doing a really terrible job of it." And I go, "Okay, well, this is cool. I'm going to stand out here and watch whatever the fuck is happening." Also, I'm not going in there because yeah. whatever's happening, like, is there a hostage situation? Yeah. And this guy comes walking out with this big triple fat goose coat on, and the this cop tackles this guy yes. like he thinks he's like he thinks he's Matt Milano, yes, and. Packages of meat just come spilling out of this man's jacket. He had been stealing hundreds of dollars of meat, apparently. <laughs> and the cops are like, he's in the store? All right, fuck it. We cover the entrances, and when this guy comes out, you just We're blasting him. him. <laughs> wow. I need to go to the Chick to Wagga Walmart. So, with this in mind, on the scale of people not returning their carts, people eating things and then putting it back on the shelves, how big of a scumbag are you? in claiming free seats to a practice that's geared towards engaging a community that doesn't get to go to actual games, and also children. Hey, we're going to indoctrinate children into the football atmosphere in a low-impact environment with no hammered people. Well, yeah. they indoctrinate children in other ways these days. Wow, got serious again. See, look at, see, it's this guy. Go <laughs> listen to Ben Shapiro. So, like, this is a way, it's supposed to be a tool to organically grow your fan base. Yeah. And you have these pieces of shit who are out here selling these tickets. Like, where does it fall on that scale? Are you worse? Are I, you off the chart? I have a quick question. Shouldn't the scale one end shouldn't shouldn't one end be really bad and one end be really good? Aren't both ends awful? 
Well, there is no silver lining for these assholes. Silver what lining if, what playbook. If saver- Damn it. Yeah. I was going to say, what if there's a playbook? Get it? Because the best movie ever. <laughs> Love it. High five. Yeah, you high five. You agree. But shouldn't you? I. Scale aside, I'm not a big fan of reselling in general. I'm a big sneaker guy and uh, wrestling aficionado. The reseller market for sneakers and for wrestling tickets. Brutal. People just get into that with bots and then take a ticket that's supposed to be 100 bucks or sneakers that are 150 bucks and then they're gobble them up and they're reselling them for like two, three, four, five hundred bucks depending on what the shoe is or what the ticket prices are. Like, I remember for the first double or nothing I went to and tickets were gobbled up, tickets were like 75 bucks and then getting resold for like 575, like easy and just how they go after it. And did you buy resell, resold forbidden door tickets? No, got in right off the rip. Um, yeah, don't, homie, don't play that. But the I, I just I think that I I get the notion behind it. I think that's super fucked up, especially because they're free. Like there is no investment other than like you got in on the app and here you go. And I've been I mean, you guys have been to training camps a bunch. I've been going to training camp. Uh, my, my aunt has seasons. I've been going to training camps since I was like eight, nine, ten years old, and I remember the feeling of like practice is done and everybody crowds around the fence and the players come around and you get autographs and you get to see the players and also to like games are expensive and it's not always easy to like get to games. Like so sometimes like all parents can do for like their kids, especially if you have multiple kids, like you go to practice and it's an awesome experience. It's summer, like the weather's usually beautiful, you get the whole atmosphere, and then you got some fucking asshole who probably doesn't return his cart, which also is the easiest fucking thing. Put it back in the fucking Wrangler or cart corral, whatever the if fuck you, you don't call do it. it. You're a uh, piece of shit. Somewhere out there, there's a Drew Gear waiting to zip tie that shit to your door handle. I Just love wait it. or zip tie you and then take you out to the middle of the field somewhere, and then who knows? Hey, Arson. listen, listen. Hashtag. If you if you want to go casino with this, I'm down. Yes, Pesci and his brother. You take him. <laughs> Out in the middle of the cornfield, put them in the same hole. Exactly, and you make them watch. Damn, that's <laughs> you make them watch. They I, took listen. it really far, though, with Pesci, even though I hated his character. That that's beside the point. Yeah, I think I whatever end of the scale. Is it bad? That's one of my favorite scenes in movie history because I like the brutal. way the no, but I like the way the narration cuts out the second they hit him. Oh I go, yeah, they, and they no broke noise, down. The, they just, broke the fourth wall. They were like, oh it's just shit. Noise. Yeah, and it Pesci was, was really scummy. What what got me though is that some of the guys doing that to Pesci and his brother. Were the guys who were helping Pesci and also being pieces of shit like his right hand man? But they probably knew that it was him or them. Oh, absolutely. So, so it was him. So, well, in this way, there's a lot of people who take advantage, right? Absolutely. Like they take advantage of what's which going is the on. circle of life. And people take advantage. I get of things it. And other people. But here's the best part: it might not even be fucking legal. Ah, oh. listen, to this, Chris. I'm going to read. I'm going to read you the quote: a state law that went into effect in New York State last year. It shall be unlawful for any person, firm, or corporation to to resell or offer to resell any ticket or other evidence of the right of entry to a place of entertainment if such ticket was initially offered to the public at no charge. Huh. And, and access to such tickets is not contingent upon providing any form of monetary consideration. So, huh. that exists on the books in New York State as a fucking law. Interesting. That you cannot resell these tickets. Yeah. Now, that got passed last year. Okay. Here I am, ready to motherfuck the team for being, you know, oh, you guys are going to screw me or so. Well, how much of it is they listen to social media and how much of it is they go, oh, shit, New York State just dropped the hammer. We actually, we have to stay in compliance because we could be... Held liable. We could be held liable if we're found to being a vehicle, like, 
if we're found guilty of being a vehicle for people to take advantage of this. Fair point. So what happens to these people? They get a visit Listen from our it pla- says an online plastic-faced re- governor, Kathy Hochul. Burned at the stake. Listen to this. An online resale marketplace should be required to clearly and conspicuously disclose the established price charged by the operator of a place of entertainment that is printed or endorsed in the face of each ticket in accordance with Section 24. Long story short, fight to the death. Well, so the, so the idea is, is that you're going to have to track and categorize all of the things. So now what that says is every venue now has to track what the cost of that ticket is and then also what it was sold. The platform has to track what was it sold for. And if the answer is zero and something... Problem. There's a problem. Problem. So maybe there's a silver lining. (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Oh, you're ticklish. That's fucking hilarious. Well, no, I've had cracked ribs there, so my right side is very sensitive. Look at you. All right. I respect it. Yeah. Chris, I poked him, and the way he turned back, I was like, oh, it's a Super fight. sensitive. He's yeah. about to fight me. I'm not going to. You. I'm, I came close to swinging. I'm not going to. It's just It's just reflex. Like, it's just reflex. No, I love it. I respect that. I, I saw it in your eyes. I go, oh, shit, he's fired up. All right. I like this. Fight or flight. That's right. See? Fight or flight. And he seems like the sleepiest guy, but he's got it. I saw those eyes. I seem sleepy. A little bit. The quiet ones are the most dangerous That's ones. That's d- d- fair. Arson. So, yeah. <laughs> arson. So, Chris, doesn't that make you feel a little bit better? That, like, hey, these guys might actually still, like these dirtbags out there selling tickets mm-hmm. for hundreds of dollars that they got for free might actually end up just taking one right in the shorts. Yeah, it should be a thing that if you're one of those people that are selling the tickets for a certain amount of price and you get found out, you should go to prison for the equivalent you're trying to resell the tickets. So, if you're trying to resell for 150 150 dollars, you get 150 years in jail. That's very severe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they deserve severe. it. They deserve it. At that point, we just give them the death penalty. They kill you. I was going to say, like, but, just go. but whoa, whoa, whoa! Some people listening to this might not be a fan of the death penalty. Here's what I'll say: I don't want to support some guy for 185 years. What if he's a vampire? I don't know that. That's we're fair. Now, now, we're, now my tax dollars are going towards supporting a vampire. I will not hear anything about that. You can find the weirdest ways to affect. I got a. I was on a lockdown bills with Joe Marino, and so it's video on YouTube, and I was wearing a baseball hat, shock, backwards, so you see the baseball logo, and I was also wearing an NBA jersey. And I got some guy who came and commented that I'm supposed to be a Buffalo guy. And after what Major League Baseball and the NBA has done by overlooking the great city of Buffalo and robbing them of these... Well, he went on like a tirade in the YouTube comments and like of how bad a person I was and how I'm not a true Buffalonian, even though I have a Buffalonian accent and all these things. If you would have like asked me, like, what are the things that you think would make someone mad at you? Like in your life, I would have never thought it was because I wore a hat with like a Major League Baseball logo and an NBA logo. Like, and it just reinforced... You can... Any, I would just... What? And here's the thing. Because scientifically... Where's the city of Buffalo person? can handle all four major sports. Yes. Like, why don't we have a... I agree. <laughs> I agree. I didn't know I was offending the city. Here's the thing. Where you screwed up is that you're talking about, like, oh, well, because you're thinking about this because you're a pretty decent guy. Eh, you're a pretty decent guy. I appreciate you. That's the problem, is you're looking around going, see, see, you're thinking, like, I'm a decent guy. They should see that I'm a decent guy, and I'm just, hey, I'm wearing a hat and a basketball jersey. It's easier if you're just offensive and abrasive, and they go, oh, okay, that's the thing I'm mad at. Oh, that's fair. 
What was the basketball jersey? Chris, all of our negative reviews and all the negative shit we've ever caught from people over this podcast, has anyone ever once mentioned what I wear? No! It's always about the things I say. It doesn't matter what you wear. It's not going to fix your face. (laughs) Damn. Um, To to answer your question, it was a black Sacramento Kings Jason Williams jersey. Jason Williams. But a white chocolate. White chocolate. If you were going to wear... See, and now now, now I'm offended. Why? He's fantastic! I'm writing me and YouTube What? You... Listen, if there's there's two respectable Spurs jerseys. There was a Kings jersey though. Oh, a Kings this is a jersey. different team. Right, right, right. You're gonna come at me for Jason Williams, and then you're dropping Spurs. No, I, I thought this is a completely Spurs. different team. I thought you said Spurs. I was gonna say if you didn't have a Manu Ginobili, you get the hell out of here. Are oh, you a big Manu Ginobili guy? Uh, I just think it's fun. The Euro step. He was the king. Mm. He, he, had, the he king. did have a very good Euro step. He was. And the he was king. a lefty, and lefties are cool. He's over here now. See, look, we finally wandered into a portion of conversation. Why is he upset? Because we're because we're talking about white basketball players. <laughs> that's what this episode is about. Is it? I not? thought that's what we do here on this podcast. But does he count? Manager Nobly is Argentinian. So he's, in, he's no. He's like so that. so. Hang, listen, I'm Puerto. Is he European? It's fine. You're Puerto Rican. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Not, I don't think I believe you. I feel like he's about to grab his wallet. <laughs> Just to make my sure wa- it's I mean, still there? No, my wife's Dominican. Hell yeah! Let's go! You didn't know he was Puerto Rican? I knew no. he had style. Do you want me to prove it to you? Can you? I can. Just with words. Ready for this? <laughs> Just, Ready? Just with words! Yeah. Yeah, tell me. Ready for this? No. His dad's not in his life. My biological father, I've never met him. Yeah, there you go. It's one of the more stereotypical things you'll ever hear. And Chris, you just offended a giant swath of our listeners, but it's okay. Because guess what? It doesn't offend me. Don't worry, I love Dave Gear. Dave Dave Gear. Well, he's going to beat your ass one of these days. Dave Gear is at home right now cracking knuckles and working a heavy bag with your face on it. Well, you wouldn't be the man you are now without Dave Gear. Sure. Dave, I have Dave Gear to thank for everything, but it is hilarious and it is very stereotypical that I'm It's like, "Oh, how do you That's that's my no card. It's like my like if I if you had to flash an ID, it's like, "Oh, I've never met my dad." And they go, "Oh, okay, that's We cool. got it. It's like that's you fucked pass. up, but also like I know my Puerto Rican side of the family and they're all in the same boat. Oh. And it's like, damn it, how did we all catch this shitty lottery ticket? Where it's like, oh, well, I'm here. Hmm. I just don't know that guy. Or I'm here, and that guy has nine kids with what... Now that's a topic for it's an like episode. It's like, son of a bitch. Hmm. Now, I have like eight half-brothers and sisters. Just up and <laughs> down. You'd be like, no, I have eight kids. No, I was going to be crazy. like, what? It's, it's a wild thing that we could do a whole podcast on. But so mm. just, just know that deep down, the people who are abusing the season ticket system, they will get theirs. <laughs> to, bring a, it, to bring it home. To bring it home. <laughs> Everyone's going to get theirs. Connect the dots. Everyone's going to get theirs, including the people who are current. So for all the people who are complaining on social media about mm-hmm, how they didn't mm-hmm, get tickets mm-hmm. and the reselling and all mm-hmm. of this. New York State already made up their mind, and there's a reason. So for everyone who's shocked, like, oh, the Bills couldn't make an accommodation? No, Mm. they could. They just, they can't. Because they don't want to run afoul of this thing New York State's running right now that these other dickheads are going to run headfirst into. And that's good for them. Fair point, yeah. Good. Chris, it won't be you and me Scott Hansen them. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's on point. James Cook says that he is... Quotes, obviously, oh, yeah. running back one. Yeah, Rich Eisen. This is optimism season. That's mm. what this is. Mm. It's it's the time of year where everyone looks at themselves, their team, their roster, like from players to fans, mm-hmm. through rose coaches, rose-colored glasses. They mm-hmm. go, this is going to be a great year, mm-hmm. and here's why. Mm-hmm. Now, 
there's a couple headlines that come to mind, and I want to know which one's the easiest for you to laugh at. Uh, although I could just pull up Pro Football Talk right now. The first one was uh, Juwan, uh, what's his name? Juwan from... Juwan a man, you're talking about no, the film. No, <laughs> the Jordan, uh, Juwan Jordan from the Saints. Who's the tight end? Caught some caught some passes, made some touchdowns late in the season. Don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, so he comes out and puts out the statement that he's excited to have, uh, he's excited to have, what's his face from the Raiders? Derek Carr, Derek the Carr. elite Derek Carr, Chris. He's elite. He goes, mm. he's going to have better playmakers here than he ever did in Oakland. We can give him better players than he had in Oakland. Uh, you know, because because uh, Jacobs and then Adams, Adams, Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro Darren, Waller. Darren Waller, like, like that's that's a thing that got said out loud. Not great. <laughs> not not great. Not great. Um, and I like some of the Saints weapons. I'm a big Michael Thomas guy. Um, but yeah, that's wait. You're you're a big Michael Thomas guy. Mike Thomas, yeah, I think he's a tremendous receiver. How do you? How? Why? Why? Not a huge burner. Knows how to run routes. Knows how to craft his releases and his ability to consistently win off the line of scrimmage. His hand fighting, his hand technique, his hands, his toughness over the middle. Um, all of that without elite speed and the kind of one of the not the easiest thing, but one of the main tools in the bag to allow you to separate from a defender him not having that speed i just think he's a legitimate technician when it comes to the receiver position and his ability to to maintain okay. consistency so that guy says this thing about Derek Derek carr that's a lot that's very high praise jerry judy comes out and says russell wilson has a big year coming huge year coming you know jerry judy of uh three seasons of NFL mediocrity. Jerry Judy? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, been good for them. Nick Chubb, not worried at all about offensive role with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. That's a weird thing to, like, say. <laughs> to tell the media. I'm not worried about my wife cheating on me. It's like, what? Why? Why do you say that? Uh, it's, it, it's, it's not good. Uh, Lions to win the NFC North is one of the NFL's most popular bets. I can see that. I can see that. Travis Kelsey estimates fifty percent of fifty to eighty percent use cannabis. Good pain. Uh, well, that's a, that's just that's just. I'm not gonna lie. That's probably just common sense. I, I would mean, say that's a very you fair see the point. way that goes. Very fair point. Kenny Pickett will work his ass off to be the best, says Deontay Johnson. Oh. Kenny Pickett will be the best. Where will work his ass off to be the best? <laughs> Which, who, but who doesn't? Which of those headlines is the easiest to laugh at? Oh boy. I kind of want to laugh at the Russell Wilson one, but I do believe in Sean Payton from an offensive schematic standpoint. And despite the fact that of the season that Wilson had, oh, <laughs> these are hard. These are hard because they're all kind of laughable. Probably the Kenny you gotta, one. You got to believe in Russell Wilson for sure, right? Hey guys, hold on. Oh boy, I was waiting. For <laughs> you gotta go arm, arms more to the side, more side action. There you go. Close your eyes and just like you're you're taking it all in. That's exactly that's better. You're taking it in. Now I gotta go back and untangle myself. There you go. What, you gotta go back the other way. Make sure you take it all in on the right back around. What a turd. 
Like, I'm sorry. I see people do stuff like that, though. Like, it really, I see them do it in real life, and I get I get embarrassed on their behalf because yeah, clearly they don't have that bone in their body. It's weird. But so The Kenny Pickett one probably makes me laugh the most. The Kenny Pickett one is bad. Right? Like, Kenny Pickett was okay, but also when you get thumped like that by the Bills, don't it's, talk to it, me. It's also super – those, like, generic comments that make headlines in the offseason are just peak, like – we don't have anything to write about, so let's write about this thing. And, like, so Deontay Johnson's quote isn't crazy. It just makes me laugh. Be like, oh, Kenny Pickett's going to work his ass off to be the best. Cool. You could say that about, like, anyone. There's undrafted free agent rookie quarterbacks who are yeah. like, I'm going to work my ass off to be the best. Exactly. And you know where you'll end up is dead on the side of Mount Everest like everybody else. Wow. Everybody else who's ever tried to make the NFL as an undrafted free agent or a second-round rookie or a third. Stuff. And listen, Kenny Pickett, I don't hate him. I just don't see it. And I also see quotes like that and like I don't know, it's like when somebody gets drafted and they don't have a ton of talent and it's like this guy is a culture guy he's the first one in, he's the last one out, high motor, motor. yep the type of guy you want, you want him dating your daughter, like he's a natural leader and it's like okay, so he's not good at the sport yeah, so he's just not good, got it good, so you have to build up every other attribute Correct. okay, so then then we get to James Cook who is declaring himself obviously the number one running back, Mm mm-hmm it's interesting to hear him say that on the Rich Eisen show and hear him declare that. And I guess I just you just did a James Cook centric episode of disguise coverage. It was tremendous. Just... I, I, I think that this is an interesting topic to try to tackle with you. Mm. Now, I'm going to run through this on paper. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. On paper, James Cook is the guy that every fan is out there pounding the table for going. I want to see more of this guy being explosive and being electric and making plays and whatever. Yes. You've got Hines, Damian Harris, and Latavius Murray. It's easy to look at him and go, he's the one with the highest ceiling. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. Absolutely. That's fair. He absolutely does. But we thought that last year, too. And some of the numbers Mm. that I unearthed just about his usage and how that all unfolded is pretty disappointing. The end result is he played 173 pass snaps. And was almost third on the roster to Naheem Himes, who didn't get here till November. Mm. Imagine almost getting lapped by a guy who didn't spend training camp with your team. Like, you're a second-round pick, mm. and you almost got lapped in terms of passing down snaps by a guy who they traded for in November. Mm. Okay? That right there. First of all, how does that happen? Well, I think a lot of it was those pass plays are Hines just coming in that jet motion and functioning as that decoy piece. And then you tie it in with some pass protection issues and a, a, a bit, couple of those pieces. I don't know, but that's the one. That's the one I want to talk about here because okay. what his quote, according to Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUp.com, is I just, I'm going to come in and do what I do. Mm-hmm. Change the game with my versatility. I'm going to catch the ball to the backfield. I'm going to pass block. Just doing what I can do to help the team win games and ultimately win a Super Bowl. That's mm-hmm. the quote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pass block? Mm. It, it, is, that, is that what you think you do here? I don't know. Devin Singletary was the sixth best pass blocking running back in football statistically last year. Mm. According to PFF. From a grade standpoint? Eight pressures allowed on 93 pass block snaps. Yeah. No sacks. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. James Cook barely outsnapped Naheem Hines on pass downs and he, you're, this whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the numbers. 
Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about, well, why? Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why would they bring in a guy off the street and let him play more than a guy they drafted in the second round? Well, I don't know. You have a vertical passing attack. Mm -hmm. Your quarterback does not like to check it down. Mm -hmm. Your quarterback likes to press the envelope and try to get chunk yards. He's one of the best quarterbacks throwing between 10 and 19 yards down the field. Mm -hmm. In fact, Chris, I think his efficiency was the tops in the NFL last year. Mm -hmm. In that, He's good in the intermediate. This is where he lives. Mm -hmm. And then if you give him the deep shot, he'll take it just to see if he can get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's never thinking small. So, okay, maybe there's no targets to be had, or maybe mm-hmm. it's few, it's far between. Some of that's on your coordinator, isn't it? Some. I think some of it's also on Allen. As with anything in football, there's so many moving parts, and there's so many variables and so many pieces. Like to put Really, anyone, it comes down to the quarterback, though. And I go, my quarterback has a howitzer for an arm, and he fucking knows it. Yeah. So now what he knows is, hey, this is how I want to play he football. He doesn't want it's. 17 nothing against Miami in the playoffs and the wild card, and you have first and 10 at midfield, and instead of checking it down to Devin Singletary, who's wide open over the middle and who's released over the center, he pushes it downfield because he's like, eh, I want that. I think I can make it, and it gets picked by Xavier Howard, and it gets brought back. Like So yeah. that is, that's not on Dorsey calling that play. I guess you yeah. can in a roundabout way connect it to that, but that's Allen's decision-making, and so yep. he, he chooses to push so the ball. So you have a quarterback who's pushing those balls. He's not distributing to the running no, back. No, he wants often. blood. The same thing that makes him decide to jump over a linebacker or truck a linebacker is the same thing that makes him go, I want the 40-yard shot, I want the throw. So the thing is, when you have that type of quarterback, then you need a specific type of running back to support that quarterback. Mm. And unfortunately, what I'm looking at, now Chris, I put a link in the notes, if you could bring that up here on the screen. This is the... Uh, Pass blocking grades for some of these guys on the roster. Mm. But then I took it a step further. Like, here's what I looked at. I looked at everyone on the Bills roster. There's Harris. Oh, I can't look at any of it because it's Oh, yeah, because you're locked out because you're a peasant. <laughs> I pay for it. I haven't given you the password. That's my fault. Because you're a peasant. So here's what happens. Damn. Singletary leads the team. He's obviously very good at pass protection. Mm. He was their guy. They left him in on third downs a lot of times to protect Josh Allen's blind He was the best pass protector back they had. James Cook was the worst. Mm. He only had 18 reps at it, and he allowed, like, look at this. So if I can blow this up for you. On 18 reps, you allowed seven pressures. That's, uh, it's not great, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's in, in just... True, in true pass. True sets. pass. Okay. Yeah. True pass sets. 
But so now I'm looking at this and I go down the list and I say Damien Harris. Mm. Now you have competition. Damien Harris has the same number of pass block attempts at 21, but zero pressures, hits, or sacks allowed. Mm. Latavius Murray allowed five pressures, but had four times the number of pass block attempts that James Cook had. Mm. And he produced more yards after the catch per reception, forced the same number of missed tackles. It's like, okay, mm. I get it. He's the more explosive guy. Numbers are numbers, but film is film, and that guy is an explosive player. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is how are you going to get on the field to show me that if you can't pass protect in a pass-heavy offense with a quarterback who wants to push the ball? Yeah. If they don't trust you to protect Josh Allen, James Cook, you're never going to see the field. Mm. You will be out there for designed plays specifically for you, mm -hmm. but you'll never be RB1 mm. if you can't figure out how to pass protect. It's why Devin Singletary, for to my frustration and everybody else's, now in retrospect, we look back and go, oh, the coaching staff, I see what they were thinking. Mm. They go, oh, we're seeing it in practice that Cook just isn't picking up this pass pro stuff. Mm. Okay, fine. Then we have no choice but to put Singletary out there and just let him continue. I think the, the bigger concern for Cook in pass protection, and it was my concern with him coming out of Georgia, on the tape, especially at Georgia, he makes the right read. He diagnoses, like, mm -hmm. okay, this is where the pressure's coming. This is what my assignment is. But it, it, it's just his technique has to be on so, uh, so much on point because he, he doesn't necessarily he's have the big. frame. No, yeah, he doesn't big. have the frame to – it's hard for him to – you know, if he's standing still or flat-footed and there's a linebacker <sighs> bearing down on him, like, it's hard for him to kind of anchor against a guy who's got – a four, five, six yard head start, and it has him on what twenty five, thirty pounds, yeah. and he's the hammer. You're the nail. How do you go against that? So, I, I think from a mental standpoint, he definitely can improve. From a technique standpoint, he can as well. But that's where he's going to have to lean into it. Unless this off season for him was getting a little thicker, getting a little stronger, maybe sacrificing some of his speed and burst for more. You know, thickness to be able to hold up in pass protection and or break more arm tackles and or have more broken tackle force stability when he runs the ball. So that's my concern with him in pass role because I do think when he was in there, you could kind of scheme him up from a defensive standpoint to dictate to the offense and be like, okay, he's the guy we want to isolate and we want to make him stay in. We're going to show this look. He's got to stay in to protect and we're going to take advantage of that piece. And when it comes down to it's it's not easier, but it's quote unquote easier in the sense of if your technique is off, but you've got the size and frame, it's like okay, we're gonna coach the hell out of you and get you better. You can coach up somebody as much as you want, but if they're you know small, small yeah, if they're a smaller frame guy, there's only so much you can do, and it's yeah. hard to live in that realm. Now, I do think some of that is offset by, and especially with this being in my head from the episode I did, the Bills run game down the stretch, weeks 11 and on, was one of the best in the NFL. And James Cook, from a multiple advanced metrics standpoint, especially EPA per attempt, was one of the best running backs in the entire NFL, like top five in mm -hmm. a multitude of metrics when they really leaned into that scheme and that system. Now, some of that is the defenses they played and what was going on and so on yep. and so forth. But he just adds a completely different dynamic to the offense. And I do think he is RB1. I would say defining that from a use you because you, you can be rb1 and get 55 percent of the snaps or 55 percent of the touches there's a difference between being rb1 and getting that versus being 
RB1 and get like Delvin, what, what his brother's looking for. There when he go. goes, I want to be a three-down bell exactly. cow back. I want to be the straw that stirs the yes, drink. Yes, there's a difference between that piece and being yeah, yeah. The, the bell cow. Three-down running backs are rare nowadays, but there's a difference between being RB1, RB1 versus being like, yeah, I'm Out RB1. of a committee, I'm the most explosive exactly. Or I have the most touches but from a percentage standpoint. But again, there's a big difference between 55 to 45 versus 70-30. I just think that his pass pro has to improve. Absolutely, or else, absolutely does. or else they'll take him off the field. Absolutely, and then when, and then also again, because what you can do defensively, you can show looks up front that force the Bills offensively to keep Cook into pass protect. Yep. And then if he's a vulnerability, so now that receiving skill doesn't matter because no. you're never going to get out, or you, or you're forced almost to go empty the whole time, and then you're going like a yep. three by two or a four by one. You're going quads or something, and then even that now you only have a five man surface. Now the defense knows okay, they either have to play man rules or they're probably going to play a slide, and then you can line up your front in a way to dictate okay, we can make them slide from the center over, we can make them slide from the right guard to this side, we can isolate, and now you're playing into the bigger pieces now we can isolate spencer brown one-on-one in pass protection and see what we can do because we've decreased the opportunity of them to have six men in pass pro because of what they've had to do or if they do keep cooking now you've got cook and brown i think that's a very very fair concern and it's something that i myself um am definitely focused on so very fair chris it's always fun when other people go hey this drunk guy he might know a thing yeah i didn't say that (laughs) <laughs> Don't take it too far. He goes, listen, let's not take this too far. Every blind squirrel, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Well, that's the Buffalo Bills of Sean McDermott, isn't it? Like, the struggling franchise forever finds the coach that just seems to, like, the thing we've oh, been hoping. Oh, I thought you him a blind squirrel. I was no, like, no, the thing that every, like, that we've been hoping every single coach throughout the entire drought, we go, finally, we got a good coach. And then they fall on their face. And we go, <sighs> all right, fuck it. Except for the Chan Gailey one. I remember the Chan Gailey and Buddy Nix hires. I was in my car calling my friend going, we just hired geriatrics to run this fucking football oh. team. Awesome. Chan Gailey knew how to use C.J. Spiller, though. That was some beautiful offense back in the day. I, I just Love want, it. I want to light a fight. Chris Arson, we're going to light a fight. C.J. Spiller was fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. How, he, how, he's going to be in the ring of honor. Yeah, how was your thoughts when he was drafted? Oh, C.J. Spiller was my favorite college football player, so I was, as a pure fan, thrilled. I, I was concerned as to... I left to the bar I was at. Concerned that we already had Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I was like, this doesn't and Fred Jackson. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. I left, I left the bar. I was at drinking with my friends and called a girl that I hadn't talked to in three months and went over to her place. That's how Fair distraught enough. I was. I loved him at Clemson. Him and James Davis, Clemson was sick. And his Yeah, oh. good. Let's draft another running back. That'll fix all our problems. Oh, man. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. Always. <laughs> so the thing is that Blind Scroll finding a nut, that was the Buffalo Bills of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Mm. We brought in this never before, like not a retread, no experience, but we brought in a coach who then, I don't, I don't want to. Found a nut. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, I don't want to, I don't know how it went behind the scenes. I don't mm-hmm. want to speculate, mm-hmm. although I'd like to think mm-hmm. that it went to one of those things where Sean McDermott showed up and was like, oh, okay, cool. Doug Whaley, just tell me what you do here. Okay, cool. Get us through this draft. And then afterwards, he's like, hey, by the way, I talked to the yeah. owner. You're, he, he, he was, uh, what is it, Guy Young? I don't need you. Yeah. From Eastbound and Down? He's Guy you're Young. Fu- you're fucking out. You're nice. Fucking, you're fucking out. Nice. <laughs> I win. You're fucking out. 
And then he brought in his buddy, Brandon Bean. Yeah. And everyone goes, well, that's nepotism. And then that nepotism propelled us to being the best team in the AFC. And they go into that offseason. It's like, we're trading Darby. We're trading Sammy yeah. Watkins. We're bringing the in balls games. Yeah, on I these know. guys. Yeah. Like, you f- we're tearing it down. The blind squirrel found a nut when the Buffalo Bills found these coaches. Mm. This coach, this GM. Because nobody else could have pulled that off. Would mm. Greg Williams have had the balls to kick multiple versions of what we thought their best player at the time was off the roster mm. for considerations mm. that some of which paid dividends. Mm-hmm. Some didn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. EJ Gaines, Awesome pickup in the Sammy Watkins trade. Yeah, it really was uh, very underrated. Uh, what, what was it? We, who did we get? I think Chris, was it not Jeremy Macklin? Jordan we, Matthews, Jordan Matthews. We got Jordan Matthews in a second round pick. Yeah. Okay. For, so the second uh, round yeah. pick mattered. Jordan Matthews. Nah, yeah. but, but Hey, it all played a role into where we are today. Mm-hmm. And where we are today is a three-time division-winning football team mm-hmm. when no one's done it for over two decades mm-hmm. because the Patriots had a stranglehold on everything. So, with that in mind, we should feel lucky, right? Like, we should consider ourselves lucky that we have these gentlemen in the fold. Mm. That Agreed. is not... How Bill's Twitter would have you believe no. this whole thing should be happening. Bill's Twitter's a bad place. So I'm going to read you a couple <laughs> tweets. Uh, yeah, I have them screen capped. I have them screen capped because I'm fucking petty and I save these things. Uh, TJDMCR to Bob, whatever the fuck his thing is. He goes, these tweets are just silly. Number one, six of 32 teams have an elite quarterback. And number two, two of 32 with an elite quarterback and, a, and five plus all pro starters. These are arbitrary. This is him just deciding what. Yes, he gets to decide. No, exactly. That's Got why it. it's funny. Any current NFL coach with Allen Diggs, Milano Hyde, White, and Von Miller is making the playoffs 99% of the time. How have we done compared to the elite? What the fuck are you talking about? I don't understand. Also, Chris Hulbert from Gratwick Films. What are you calling him out? He says, the best quarterback playoff performance in NFL history wasn't enough to carry McDermott. But sure, giving him 12 seasons to figure out he's the problem will certainly fix everything. Let's, let's talk about history, you fuck. You, you fucking people who don't understand where we are. McDermott right now has a 63.9% win percentage in the regular season. 44.5% in the playoffs. Now, 44 and a half in the playoffs is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Chris, there's a lot of coaches who would kill for 44 and a half. Yeah. Marty Schottenheimer. Andy Reid. With two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And yes, before you go out there and fucking complain, I did parse out his entire career, carve out the ones where he didn't have Donovan McNabb and didn't have Patrick Mahomes and segregated them. And I just isolated those two stretches. Here's what I'm looking at. In Philly with McNabb, he was 113-62. and 62. That's 64.5. Also had, a, also had a really good year with Jeff Garcia filling in. Yes, because Jeff Garcia had just like one of the best QB2 yeah. years ever. Also completely redefined how Michael Vick played the quarterback position. Kind of. Played offense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Turned him into an actual like NFL passing quarterback. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about you, but doesn't 64.5 look an awful lot like 63.9? They're pretty close. Okay. Hashtag numbers. Your stats and numbers. Guys. I'm a stats and numbers. Yeah, me too. Look at my hat. In the regular <laughs> season, in the postseason, he went 10-9 and nine with that Phillies team, which is 52.5. And, and they which, ran him out of town. And they ran him out of town. He had one Super Bowl appearance, zero title wins. They sent him to the Wolves. Now, Philly then went through like the Dark Ages. 
the Chip Kelly years. Yeah, that's who took over for Reed, right? Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, who took Chip over? Chip Kelly. Oh. It got ugly. Get real bad. Then Gay they find Nick Sirianni. Walking to Jalen Hurts because nobody wanted him. Mm. Second round pick? Yeah. That quarterback, every GM had a crack at that guy. Didn't take him. You took him. You married him up. First of all, the, you get Doug Peterson. He wins you your fucking ring. Mm, with a backup QB. With a backup quarterback because he's a good coach. In a year where if Wentz stayed healthy, he wins MVP. Yeah, that's yeah. it. MVP season, you go to your backup. For Carson win. Wentz, who now looks like one of the most untouchable quarterbacks in the entire NFL. What does it tell you about good coaching? Okay. And look, then look what Doug Peterson did in Jacksonville this year. Bang. So this is my point, but you're, you're making my point preemptively for me, but I like that. <laughs> Sorry. Because then, no, no, because then Andy Reid moves on to Kansas City. And then he, he, you know, he does what he does with Alex Smith, but he's, he's making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then he gets Mahomes. And Matt Castle. And he goes and gets Mahomes. Has a 78% winning percentage. There's 78.5% in the playoffs with two Super Bowl wins. Now, I guess the question is this, Chris. If you had just stayed the course if you were Philly. Like, the guy who had you in the playoffs every fucking year. Mm-hmm. And yet you ran him out of town because you were like, well, he obviously can't get it done. Don't you wish you had let him stick around just a little bit longer? Probably. Anthony? <sighs> yeah, but here, here's my here's my issue with, with Reed, McDermott, all of them. There are so many things that have to click for a team to win the Super Bowl. It is so hard. To be able to win There's a ring. A tweet. Oh, boom. There you go. Aaron Quinn on Twitter. There have been 518 NFL head coaches in league history. 14 have won Super Bowls. That's 2.7% of all coaches to ever coach have won a fucking Super Bowl. Bill Belichick occupies a huge portion for one coach, and I think that our proximity to that has led us to believe that it should be easy. If you just look at, like, I don't know, if you, and then if we take the numbers further, if you just look at, like, Belichick, Chuck Noll, and Tom Landry, like, they, that's, like, a significant portion of Super Bowl winning coaches. 21 total coaches have won a single Super Bowl, and that's 4% of the entire population. It's it is hard to win a ring in the NFL. It's a one, in, it's one and done. If you, ha- you can be the better team and if you have a bad day, a bad game plan, bad finish, a bad start, bad weather, or just pure matchup, you're the better team, but you just don't match up well with this other team, you're done. There is no baseball or especially hockey in the NBA where we lost game one, we readjust, we come back, we take care of it. Game's no, over. you lose it, you're done. That's it. It is what it is. And so many things have to click. You have to be healthy. You have to have the right matchup at the right time. There are so many You pieces. can't have a banged-up roster with a guy who almost died in the fucking football field two weeks before, three weeks e- before that. Even look at that, too, like with this past Bills season. I'm not giving anyone a pass, I'm but just... look at how things can change. If Huntley gets in on that long run instead of going down at the one, the Ravens take the lead there. If he somehow gets it into the end zone instead of fumbling and Hubbard returns it to the house. We're playing so, the Ravens. Oh, no. We play the Jags. Oh, Jesus Christ. We get the right. Jags. And so who knows? Now, now may- mind you, we the way that Miami game went. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the Jags co- know. and, the, and the Jags honestly put up a really good fight against Kansas City. Grandma Holmes got banged up, and they had a chance to potentially win that game. But there are so – and you can do that. I give that example just to say there are so many things that can lead – to what happens in a season. I mean, even going back like further in the season, 
If Josh Allen doesn't fumble against Minnesota, like all these pieces, the Bills are now a different seed. The entire structure of the playoff bracket changes. You're playing different teams. All those teams are to playing different. To try to saddle one person with yes. all of the blame for yes. that is out of fucking Do control. You re- like, and, and I say, like, well, I here's, here's something. I'll, I'll say this. No, go ahead. Those, those two runs that I talked about with uh, Mahomes and for Andy Reid. Andy Reid? Span 16 of Reed's 24 seasons in the NFL as a head coach. You're looking at my notes right here. Yeah, I am. He has two Super Bowl rings. And this. he's right now regarded as like the best coach yep. and one of the best coaches of all time. Yep. 75%. 24 seasons, 18 playoff appearances. It means he made the playoffs 75% of the time. McDermott has made it 83% of the time. McDermott has had more appearances in the more more bites at the apple. Than Andy Reid has to this point in his career, mm-hmm. and that, like, he had a McNabb, he had a roster, he had a TO, he yeah, had things. Very good squad. So he people, had a defensive coordinator. And so Jim the people Johnson. bitching who are like, "Well, we have a Hall of Fame quarterback and a great wide receiver. Why isn't this working?" Andy Reid had one too, and it wasn't. It's not like Reid's a bad coach, no. but everyone wants to bang the drum. They missed in 2018. That's the only reason it's not 100%, and that was the year the team yeah, intentionally they, decided, we're going to fix our caps so we can actually compete. Which they started to kind of do in 2017, but McDermott just got them to make the playoffs anyway yeah. because of what they did. There's, It's it's my same thing with people who pile Reed, on to Ken Dorsey. Reed made his first Super Bowl in year six. Mm. McDermott. Year six. Year six. Oh, I like the I like the connections. I like. I'm the just uh, I like no, but I'm just saying. Line. I'm like, you, you guys want to run a guy to fucking town, or then complain that they extended him? Are you out of your fucking minds? These people that tweet shit like this about hating McDermott, they sound like people that that go out to crab apples and cheek to Wagga and get a crab apples ten, and they're like, all right, I can do this. Let's go to Miami and go to the club, and I can pick up a ten in Miami. No, you can't. <laughs> Here's what's crazy to me. That Aaron Quinn tweet that I just read was retweeted by Charlie Gross. Now, if any of you know who he, who, who that fucking guy is on Twitter. I know of him. You know you're in a bad place when you're on the opposite side of the field from Charlie Gross. It's one of those things where, like, you look around, you go, wait, who's on my side? Mm. Oh, no. Am I, am I, am I the, the problem? Bad? Am I the problem? Am I the problem? Is it me? It's, it's fuck. I also, I also get the notion. Like, I get that other side of it, right? Like, at a certain point, you don't want bites at the apple. You want it to pay off legitimately. Like, you want the ring. At a certain point, making the playoffs every year isn't good enough. It's not fun. You want a championship, and I understand that. But to Aaron's tweet and the point of this whole segment, it's very hard to win a Super Bowl. Like, and it's too much. And I get people want, again, like a lightning rod or some sort of vehicle right to put their pe- frustration into. Right now there's people who want Brandon Bean to say, fuck the salary cap, YOLO, let's go get DeAndre Hopkins. Because that might be the thing that wins us a Super Bowl. It could be. It could also be the thing that sets you back I in thought the five, that's why years Diggs of restructured. Well, yeah. No, I'm not doing this. <laughs> well, that's it. Like, uh, exactly. See, now you're thinking, Arson. You're thinking about like he's thinking I'm about always thinking about arson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never not thinking about arson. It's just hard. There's there's too many variables. It's eleven on eleven. You've got a head coach. You've got an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. You've got position coaches. And you also understand how how game plans get put together. The 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 different position coaches that are responsible. Like you just take offense. Sometimes your running backs coach is responsible for the third down package in a given week. Sometimes it's your wide receivers coach. There's all these different pieces that go into a thing. That's why like pick point. 
average continue. WGR caller doesn't fucking understand no, that. No, he just throws all man like this guy sucked today. We lost because of him. Like that's bullshit and it's dumb. And I understand <laughs> you want to get over the hump. I want a Super Bowl. If you're a Bills fan, a fan of any team, I'm afraid of what happens, Bowl. Chris. I'm genuinely afraid of what happens to our not just me but our fan base if we win a Super Bowl. Arson. We'll be the most. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, no, there will be arson. It. No, I'm not kidding. Fires everywhere. There will be fires. Cars will get burned in the street. But also, Buffalo will be raised to the ground. Well, I've said I have a conspiracy theory that the NFL has an agreement with the National Guard. They won't let it happen. They go, listen, if it happened, what we would have to do is cordon off the city, blockade. There's no booze getting in. We wait until they just all, like three days from now, they hit they hit the communal hangover, and we just yeah. go in and push them all down. I'm thinking of like a Dark Knight Rises scenario where they blow up all the bridges <laughs> and like through it so like nobody can leave the city and they're and just they trying just, to keep it all that way in. we can't hurt anybody else. We just yeah. stay here. They just let Buffalo burn, but like they don't want to corrupt like anything else. That's That's actually pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I just, I've always thought about this, like, what happens to us as fans? We might be the most insufferable fan base that year we win a Super Bowl because for everybody who's ever thrown it in our faces that we didn't win that one. I'll be brutal. It's do, coming do, back tenfold. you know the receipts? I have files. I have filing cabinets full of full of receipts. Just wait. Of all the people who've ever said to me, like, oh, we'll go win one. Oh, I'm coming back. S- I've been fucking, waiting. You, uh, for this moment. I don't care if you're 60 now. You're fucking getting it. I'll show up at your nursing home. You're getting this. You're catching these hands. You'll get this work. So, with that in mind. Oh. Oh. What is that? Is this the 80s? It's yeah, like the old school ringtone. It's his lady calling to see where he is. She wants to make sure he's still alive. She knows who we are. She knows how this rolls. She's like, oh my God. Are you yeah, okay? I'm, I'm in West Seneca. It's a safe area. So, <laughs> this contract. Here's another thing that I don't think people recognize. Like It keeps both coach and GM under contract until after the new stadium gets completed. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything I want to close this on. It's this idea. Like, if I can be cynical for a second. There was a recent article at Pro Football Talk about the idea that Mark Polenkar's... Not the idea. Mark Polenkar's quote about how we knew what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. It's the NFL. They would have left Erie County if we hadn't ponied up the money. Mm. Okay? But then if you go back and you look at it, without McDermott, we don't break the drought. Who else are we bringing in? Who are the coaches? Remember, we were were happy with... uh, What's his name? The former, the offensive coordinator who let that touchdown happen. It's the first time I've ever seen Chris yell at a TV before during a game. Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn. Oh yeah, went under the, the Chargers. The, and then the Jets kick the ball off to us in the game where he's head coaching, and the kick returner doesn't know to pick it up, so they just scoop and score in the end zone. Oh, he was the coach in that game. The ball's on the ground. Oh, the Rex is done. He yeah. was the interim guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we don't hire that guy. He no. had the inside track until they met McDermott. If they don't pick him, we don't we don't break the drought in 2017. That's a fair point. Without being in McDermott, we don't draft Josh Allen in 2018. We probably end up with a higher pick because we have a bad team, and we end up with Rosen. Because uh, Darnold's already gone. Baker Mayfield's already gone. Uh, yeah. So now we're talking about what we, we want to talk about a multiverse and what oh else boy. exists out there. There's a universe where the Buffalo Bills don't hire Sean McDermott, and they don't hire Brandon Bean. Yeah. And now you draft Rosen because you're still in the top ten, but that's not because you made trades. It's because you're shitty. This got real dark real fast. Yeah. And then if that team doesn't stay competitive, they aren't suddenly a free agent destination where players like Leonard Floyd and Puna Ford and Damian Harris and everybody takes plate. And Von Miller. And then here's the thing. Like, maybe Erie County. I don't know. 
Like maybe they're so in love with football, they do whatever it takes mm. to keep the Bills here. Mm. But also maybe they look at the fact that in 2016, Rex's last year, I was at that December Browns game. There was oh. fewer than 30,000 people there. It was early December. It wasn't a bad day. It was sunny. It was warm for December. There was less than 30,000 people in the stadium. I remember a kid got so drunk, he just laid down and slept in the bleachers. And there was nobody around. So he wasn't bothering anyone. So the ushers just left him alone. Tons of space. We were Major League. We Mm. were the fans from Major League. Mm. And for everybody who pounds the table talking about Buffalo is the best fan base ever, remember that. Remember when it was just me and a bunch of my dickhead friends freezing our asses off and none of you were there. I kept those receipts, too, because I'm petty as hell. You're lifting the mic off the table. Let it flow. Let the hate fuel you. You're never going to... Like, what if you spent another decade and a half replicating what we have, trying to replicate what we have now, Mm. with another Rex Ryan or Greg Williams? It's hard to hit on a good coach. You're never going to get me to believe that Western New York would shell out hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, with public funds... To keep that team here. They'd go, listen, this is a sideshow. It's 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 a disaster. Get them out of here. We're not spending almost a billion dollars to keep Fair. this thing that no one goes to. And that has no traction and no one cares about. And maybe turn into the Oakland A's. So with the, exactly. And so with that in mind, we can joke, like we've talked about it, that the stadium would be the thing. To Travis Wingfield, who is now the Chris Brown for the Miami Dolphins, has talked about how Josh Allen had coming out of the draft skyline changing talent because he could put he goes he could be the worst quarterback in this draft or he could be the thing that puts a new building in your city because Mm. he's that good Mm. we've joked about how this is the house that Allen built Mm. this new stadium Mm. the reality is and I don't think anyone in our fan base is willing to admit it to themselves Mm. this thing should more appropriately be called the house that McBean built Mm. it doesn't have quite the same ring but tell me they don't deserve it. I don't. I think people under and it's it gets talked about a lot, like culture and process and all this stuff. I don't think people realize how hard it is to change the culture of a franchise. The Buffalo Bills legitimately went from a laughing stock and an afterthought and a joke to a place. Emmanuel Sanders said it. Like he said, I used to like but players around the league. Like they talk. They used to view Buffalo as like pfft, Buffalo. And then he came there to win a championship. And he sees the facilities and he talks to the players and he hears about McDermott and Bean and all of this. Like. It's a legitimately hard thing to change the culture of a franchise that is down and out and a joke and an afterthought and take them to not only relevancy, but take them to a place of strength where it becomes, like you mentioned earlier, it becomes an attractive destination. It becomes a, the, the turnaround of just the, the drought and all, all this awful ineptitude to be in a place where Von Miller could be like, yeah, I want to get another ring with the team and I'm going to come to Buffalo. And it's not a joke because it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, Buffalo. I bet they're like, oh. Yeah, this could really happen. Like, to be that kind of destination and turn it around in four or five years after gutting everything, you trade Sammy Watkins, turn you get rid of immediately. Bang, you get rid of Darby and Watkins and Marcel Darius, and you gut everything, and you change everything. You change the system, the scheme, the players. There's no real The training over. staff, all of a the sudden you've got the owner investing money. Guys, everything we have today, we owe to one guy who claps too much. And this guy with these sunglasses and this unassuming southern drawl who is an absolute murderer. Dan Marino. <laughs> Absolutely. We owe them everything. And they deserve mm. this extension. Mm. Full stop. 
guys, I'm happy we did this. I'm happy you're here for this. But for tonight, we're going to get the fuck out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This is Anthony Prohaska. Where can people find you on social? Find me on Twitter at pro underscore underscore ant. That's pro two underscores A-N-T. Host of Disguise Coverage live every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Cover One Network and co-host of the Cover One Film Room live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern with Eric Turner and a person who likes wrestling but not as much as Drew does. And on that note, this has been your Rockpile Report. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.